Welcome to the Elmer EMC podcast. We want to support you on your journey with God. So here's this week's teaching. So, you ever won a vacation? You ever won anything? I don't know, for some reason, I don't know, over the course of my life, I, my name has been drawn out of things probably three or four times. And uh, it was back in 1981. I just had bought a car. You know, a Chevy um, Chevette. Remember those things? Little tin cans. And uh, bought, a, bought a Chevette. And, and a couple of weeks ago, or, or weeks later, I got a call from my cousin who was the dealer. And he said, congratulations. I said, what for? Well, you want a trip? To where? Vegas. It's Vegas. How did I do that? Don't you remember filling in a ballot and putting it? No, I was so stressed out with all the money you were, you know, setting up to make me pay over a few years, five years or something. So there you go. Got a trip to Vegas. I don't recommend it, to be honest with you. The only time we could go was first week of August, and it was, you can imagine how hot it was. You could fry an egg in uh, less than 30 seconds on the sidewalk. So there you go. When we went out to the pool and took my, my uh, flip-flops off, I found out. I ended up with my feet fried. But, uh, but you know what? It was free, and that was okay. I didn't see it coming. Out of the blue. Cool. Nowadays, road trips are becoming a lot more of the thing again. Um, with COVID, I understand, talking to uh, the people over at uh, uh, the trailer place, uh, just as you're coming out of St. Thomas, uh, Ferguson's, they can't keep a trailer on their lot. Like, like they're gone. People are buying them up. Uh, sales have gone through the roof. And, uh, you know, road trips are great if you know where you're going. Now, if you don't know where you're going, there's always GPS. Now, I've tried GPS. A couple of weeks ago, we were on our way to my brother's uh, in Font Hill, and uh, we were going from the trailer in Woodstock, so we'd never gone from there before, and I, I can't stand the Queen Elizabeth, so I said, oh, we'll take this exit off of uh, the 403, and GPS has got me going. We ended up uh, driving up to a dump <laughs> on a road with, uh, you know, no through, and I thought, okay, so much for this. Threw away my phone and just went, I'm going back to maps, but, but, but here's the thing. You know, some really bad things have happened to people that have had a bad directions from a GPS. But, but you know, it was, it was failed uh, spiritual GPS, if I can call it that, directions that uh, led to Israel's exile in Babylon. They did not listen. They did not take heed. They uh, paid no attention to God and his word. And after prophets and warnings and everything, they ended up in exile. But God is faithful. How many of you know that God is faithful? In accordance with his unfailing word, they were about to be offered the turnaround of their lives. And, uh, and uh, we're finally getting out of exile. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I was getting tired of Babylon, to be honest with you. Returning from exile. Who saw this coming? Did anybody see this coming? Now, we read in Ezra, which is the historical book which coincides with uh, some of the prophetic material in, in uh, uh, books like uh, Daniel. We looked at Daniel's prayer last week. And, uh, and in Ezra 1, 
you know, regime change. The writing was on the wall for Belshazzar. And uh, that very night, uh, the Medo-Persians uh, became the new um, empire in charge. And uh, Daniel rose up in, that, in the ranks in that, in that uh, situation, interestingly enough. But we read that in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of King Cyrus so that he sent a herald throughout all his kingdom and also in a written edict, and he declared. And we'll get to his declaration in a minute. Now, um, you know, how fast did it take such information to get out there? It wasn't like, as if uh, Cyrus's uh, secretary, administrative assistant is now what, 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 what they're called, right, Anne? Administrative assistant. Sure, we'll go with that. Anyway, just couldn't get on the computer, send an email, uh, put it out on Facebook or anything like that. So you wonder how long it took for such information to get out. But we, we read in Daniel 9, now in the first year of Darius. Wait a minute, I thought it was Cyrus. Well, yeah, it was. They were both in charge. It was the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, the Persian being Cyrus and uh, Darius being the Mede. And somehow they divvied things up and uh, were, were co-rulers. Uh, so... In, in both their first years, which co coincided, um, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to good old Jeremiah, must be fulfilled for the devastation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. And he begins to pray uh, because, you know, there it is. We have the Word of God, but nothing seems to be happening. The truth is, things were happening. Daniel wouldn't have had any way of necessarily knowing that. Uh, toward the end of his prayer, or after his prayer, it says, while, that he, while he was speaking in prayer, Gabriel, whom he had seen before, and said to him, uh, Daniel, I have now come to give you wisdom and understanding at the beginning of your supplications. At the beginning. A word went out. I've come to declare it, for you are greatly beloved, and what follows is a complex uh, answer to that prayer, the first piece of which amounted to Cyrus's declaration, uh, which was sent out by heralds. Apparently the word hadn't got, got out yet, but Cyrus said, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me the house at Jerusalem. One thing about uh, uh, pagan emperors and kings and prime ministers and presidents, they love to take credit for stuff, don't they? Yeah, I'm going to do it. It's, it's all up to me. He's charged me to build him a house and, uh, at Jerusalem. And any of those among you who are of his people, may their God be with them, are now permitted to go up to Jerusalem in Judah and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Apparently Cyrus hadn't got the memo that he is the God overall. He thought... He might be the god locally over there by the uh, southwest corner of the Mediterranean, southeast story, but uh, he hadn't gotten that memo. But it's time. It's time to get up and get going. The word goes out. Can you imagine how excited everybody was? Let's get up. Let, let's get going. Right After all those years settling in for the long haul, was everybody all excited to get up and get going? Imagine the older folks. I, I, I understand their problem. Oh, man, my back hurts. You know? But there you go. Now, shift over 
to Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 40, which are, are both powerful pieces loaded with poetic, ex, ex, extravagant, imaginative language to portray what God was doing and was going to do for his people. And Isaiah 35 uh, highlights the exuberant response that is supposed to be part of this. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. You ever heard your garden sing? If you have a garden that sings and you're, you're willing to own up to that, um, where's, where's our people in the mental health department? Well, I don't know. But if you've heard your garden sing, th- this is poetic language, right? Not necessarily meant to be uh, read in a factual, literal kind of manner, but th- this is meant to stimulate and stir up the imagination. You know, trees and flowers, singing and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's meant to evoke imagination at what God is doing. The glory of Lebanon, there you go. The, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. And here's what the people are to do. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. So get up and get going in spite of frailty. Say, man, man I got aches and pains. Where where's, where'd I put the A535? Where is it again? Well, grab it, rub it on. Strengthen those weak knees and hands in spite of your frailty. Say to those who are of fearful heart. You just, you just sang a song that's got that language in it. As I was reading this, this old song by Bob Fitz started playing in my head, and I thought, have we ever sang that here? I don't know. Doesn't matter. We're going to now. Say to those who have a fearful heart, be strong. Do not fear. Yeah, easy for you to say. Easy for you to say. Don't be afraid. Don't you know what's going on in my life and my circumstances? Well, it's not me saying it. I'm, 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 I'm just reading the memo straight from God. He says, do not fear. Be strong. You can be strong. So get up and going in spite of frailty, in spite of your fears. It's time to get up. Get going. Over to Isaiah 40. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill made low. This is not about bringing in the bulldozers and, and, and all of that stuff. Again, catch the, just let your imagination rise up. I, I read a book uh, on holidays called The Prophetic Imagination, which, which kind of talks about how to use imagination as you read some of these things. Your imagination is something that God has given you. Let her rip. Let it loose. Every valley lifted, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level. The rough place is a plain. So, you know, get up and get going. In spite of your frailty, in spite of fear, in spite of roadblocks or obstacles. Sometimes it's good to take stock. Say, what are, what are the roadblocks between me and God? What are the obstacles? And some of them are, are uh, of our own making. God says to his people, get going, get up. In spite of what you perceive to be the case, as your perception, as I said last week, is real. But it doesn't necessarily align with reality. 
God says, get up and get going. Because the roadblocks, they're going to be taken care of. You'll find that as you step out in faith, what you thought was in the way isn't necessarily in the way because of the greatness of our God. So, and, and there it is. Here is your God. This, this is why. This is why. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance and terrible recompense. Um, and I'm not going to unpack that part of it right now, but, but the, the important part here is that here's your God. Here he is. He will come and save you. Well, where is he? I don't see him. I don't see him. There's a story about a, a guy that uh, was stranded on a, a rooftop in a, in a flood, and the waters were rising, and uh, a guy come, come and he prays. He says, God, deliver me. God, save me. I'm, I'm in big trouble. I'm going to die. Guy comes along with a boat and uh, says, hop in. No, no, I've, I've asked God to come and save me. I'm going to wait for him. You know, the Bible says, wait, wait on the Lord. So, uh, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Another boat comes along, get in. You know, the water's rising. No, no, I'm waiting on the Lord. Third one comes, nothing. At the pearly gates, this man is asked, what are you doing here? Well, I prayed to God to deliver me, and, and he didn't. The Lord said, I sent you three boats. How does God save sometimes? Through even pagan emperors in whose heart he stirs. Now, history has it that the Persians were, did not only um, enable Israelites to go back, but they, they also kind of had a more generalized policy of, of allowing those who had been taken into captive, kept, captivity in the, under the Babylonians to, to allow them to return and get on with their life. But, but you know, uh, with a catch that, uh, oh, and you answer to us still. Because even though Israel was allowed to go back and rebuild, they were still answering to Persia, to Cyrus. In a sense, they were still in an exile of sorts, even though they went home. But certainly an improvement on their situation. But here's God. He's just, look what I'm doing. I'm moving in the hearts of those in charge. You're free. Now, get up. Get going. In spite of your frailty and feebleness and fears and whatever roadblocks you think are in the way. And then it goes on. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. Now, get up and get going. In spite of all the fears, frailties, and roadblocks, with eyes wide open, a spring in your step, a song in your heart. This, this, this speaks to the healing of the people. It would become full-blown, literal, head-on when Jesus came and John the Baptist was put in prison and, and John sent somebody to, to go and ask him, Lord, are you the one that was supposed to come or should I be looking for another? And he says, go, go, go read your scripture. He made reference to the very words that we just read. Eyes of the blind opened, ears unstopped. And, and it's in Luke 7 and you can reference it there. But get up and get going. There's a healing for you in so doing. You think you can't get up? Remember all the times that uh, in, the, in the book of Acts or in Jesus, he would say to a lame guy, take up your mat and just stand there. Walk. Remember the guy in Acts 3? 
didn't have any money, asks for money, and Peter and John give him something far better. They give him his, his legs back by the power of Jesus. And what does he do? He walks, he leaps, he runs, he praises. Sometimes you just got to get up by faith. Sometimes you just got to open your eyes and see what is actually before you and not what you perceive. And in so doing, there is a healing for the people of God as they, by faith, take hold of what God is opening up for them. Water shall break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert, burning sand become a pool, thirsty ground, springs of water, haunt of jackals shall be a swamp, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, a highway shall be there. Anymore, at my age, I'm using secondary highways. I hate the 401. <sighs> I'm liking a slower pace nowadays. That must mean I'm getting old. Last night I was coming back from the trailer and I thought, oh, I'll go with 401, get home faster. And about five cars were doing the race, road racing thing. I'm going, like they just, I'm going, okay, I was going uh, just slightly over the posted speed limit. Uh, I was going, well, I was going 120, okay? <laughs> and uh, I know, I know. These guys must have been going 180, I'm telling you. Like it was freaky in and out of traffic. That's why I don't like highways, but God's highways. A whole lot better. A highway shall be there. It will be called the Holy Way. There won't be any road rage on that thing. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up, up to it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. As you return from exile, you, you got to get up and get going. With eyes wide open, spring in your step, song in your heart. And as you do, follow the way that God has prepared, the highway God has built, the way prepared for your, your security. I mean, I, I love that passage. I mean, it, it's, you know, look what it says. Uh, you know, I'm afraid I'll get lost. You can't. You can't. You get on God's highway, says God's be, it'll be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, will go astray. They won't end up following their own GPS and end up next to a landfill because their God has made the way. They're following. And even if they're terrible with directions, as a rule, it'll be okay. And guess what? You're not traveling alone. You're traveling in the company of God's people. That is why it's so important, actually, again, as inconvenient as some of this is, that we gather together, that we see one another, that we hear one another's voice, however muffled it may be. You know what? We're not even going to recognize each other when we finally get around taking these things off. Say, who are you? You know, you got a mouth and a nose. I didn't know you had one of those. But you know, we, we need to be together. And it's good. And for those who are unable... Glad you're with us, tuned in. Anne has the record so far for number of views on this thing. Uh, and so congratulations, Anne, on that. But, um, but glad to have you folks that are tuned in with us. And may God be with you in your own, um, uh, what do we call them, bubbles now. Yes, bubbles. It says no lion will be there, uh, no ravenous beasts. There's security safety. There's refreshment along the way. 
on the Isaiah side of the equation, it says, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And as the obstacles are removed, um, in the language of Isaiah 40, then says, then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all the people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So uh, who is this highway for then? Is it for the, the people? Isaiah 35 says that. Or is it for God? Isaiah 40. How about both? How about both? Because is it not in the journey that you meet God? You know, think of those guys on the Emmaus Road. Where'd they meet Jesus? On the way. And how often as we step up and step out and walk this journey, how often is that the place? The destination, well, that's, that's going to be amazing. But right now we're on a journey. How about we enjoy the journey? How about we do that? And how better to enjoy the journey than to experience the presence and, yes, indeed, of God. Sometimes the glory of God, again, might be glory veiled. The glory of God may be revealed in, you know, less than shiny, if I can call it that, ways. But God reveals His glory even as we, His people, manifest his goodness, His grace, His love, His character. And although it still says in the New Testament, no man has ever seen God. Not in His full unveiled un glory, but, but we still do have the joy of, as the hymn says, turning our eyes upon Jesus, looking full, as full as we can, this side of heaven, uh, into His wonderful face, and finding that the things of earth really, do they not dim? Do they not fade in the light of His glory and grace? The highway is for God and His people. And, and, and Isaiah 35 ends with these words, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. There it is. Eyes wide open, spring in their steps, song in their heart. Everlasting joy upon their heads. Ah, but there might be something which would cause some to be tentative. Through a mask, I'm going to say that again. Tentative. I'm glad Isaiah 40 starts the way it does. Because I know myself. You know yourself. Isaiah, God through Isaiah speaks a tender word of comfort to people whose guilt may be just overwhelming and whose sense that they could ever step up and step out and... Uh, be part of the people of God that, that live full out. So he starts by saying, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that she served her term. Yeah, you went into exile because of sin. But I am saying to you that your term has been served. You've re received double for all your sins. Not meaning a sentence that was doubled, kind of like as you're driving along the highway and, and you see you're in a work zone, speeds uh, fines doubled for violators in this little sec segment of road. No, the idea of doubling in the Hebrew mindset was equivalency. You've sinned, you've received the equivalent um, in God's eyes of what is due you. The penalty has been paid. So as you return from exile, get up and get going in spite of whatever might be keeping you from doing so, eyes wide open. Song in your heart, spring in your steps. Follow this way prepared for you, prepared for you and God. 
to encounter one another on the way. You'll be secure, you'll be sustained, and do so as people that the Lord has reconciled and redeemed and is restoring. You've served your term. Well, you know, I always wondered why the next part was there. A voice says, cry out, what shall I cry? Oh, people are grass, the grass withers. Flower fades, the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. Okay, we're being comforted, but now we're told we're, you know, grass and grass withers, flower fades. But here's, here's the operative phrase. The word of our God will stand forever. The word of our God, what word? The word of comfort, the word of assurance, the word of, I have come to save you. Get up on a high mountain. Zion, herald of good tidings which in the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Hebrew, meant for the people who over the years no longer spoke Hebrew. It was the Bible of Jesus' day. And the, the good tidings there is, is the word that translates to us as gospel. Herald of gospel. Lift up your voice with strength. Herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. He's here. He comes with might, his arm rules for him, his reward is with him, his recompense before him, he will feed his flock like a shepherd, gather the lambs in his arms, carry them in his bosom, gently lead the mother sheep. You might feel like, oh, man, I'm, I'm just, I don't know if I'm up for this. This walk of faith, I'm, I'm not an exuberant, upfront kind of person. I'm, I'm just, you know, maybe a little nervous, maybe a little bit troubled. Be comforted. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to carry you. Maybe some who are a little more uppity in their estimation of themselves need to take a step back, breathe, and say, yeah, whatever I have, whatever gifts, whatever abilities, they're from God, and I need to humble myself. Maybe dial it down a bit and let this one who is my God be the one who whose gentleness I experience, who, who will carry me. Return from exile. We can get going. We can follow God's highway, as it were, as He is soaring. We can do so with a, a major load of assurance because the authority of the unfailing proclamation of our God is on record. It's on record. We can be certain of it. Later in Isaiah 40, it says he gives power to the faint, strengthens the powerless, even youths faint and, and be weary. Yeah, Percy, and live, that's that you guys, you're going to faint, you're going to be, uh, not them. The young will feel exhausted. These words are a response to Israel's comeback, which is responded to by the prophet. He says, why do you say, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and, and he, he really doesn't regard me. He doesn't care about my cause. And, and, and again, words of assurance toward the end of Isaiah to answer that possible objection. And then these words about him giving power to the faint and strengthening the powerless. And then those words which we love. We sing them sometimes. Those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. Mounting up with wings like eagles. Oh, where my trailer is, I don't know how many eagles I've seen this summer flying over the Piddock uh, 
you know, where they've widened the, the river with the dam. There's a nest directly across from our, our site. See eagles flying in there and flying out. Boy, are they majestic. I forget how many nesting pairs they say they have now. I've seen eagles fly. It's beautiful. God says, what's that? I feel a feather growing. No, it's just a piece of lint. <laughs> oh, well. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Beautiful words. Returning from exile. There's a sense in which, using this metaphor that, we, that we've begun to do, and you, can you imagine the sights and the sounds and the songs along the way as 50,000, roughly, people answered the call? That was by no means everybody that was in exile. So many stayed. According to Ezra, about 50,000 made the journey. And some of them really, really old, as we'll see in Haggai. Imagine the sounds and the sight. But what would they find? When these ones who stepped up and stepped out, in spite of all the things that, that reasons they could think of not to, they took God at his word and said, okay, we're, we're going to do this. What, what would they find when they got home? Whoa, not what I was hoping. Nowadays, this is a common scene as fires are ravaging the west coast of the U.S., polluting uh, Vancouver's air pretty significantly, and, and smoke from those fires has apparently reached Europe with the uh, jet stream and whatever other forces of nature are able to do that, and so many. When given the green light to return to the communities that they had to flee, this is what they find. Can you imagine how devastating that is? Whoa, Lord, I thought... You know, we were, wow, we were singing and dancing. This is home. But the call was to go and rebuild. And so hopefully it wasn't a great surprise to folks in terms of what they would see, but this is the reality. Something like what they would have seen. There was a rebuilding that had to happen and the little two-chapter book of Haggai speaks to that. And we're going to spend a few weeks in Haggai as, as uh, we, you're going to get tired of exile soon. So I'm going to, I got five messages from Haggai coming. Count them, five. Cyrus had green-lighted the rebuilding of the temple, but, but there were challenges. There would be setbacks, there would be controversies that they would face. So what kind of leadership would it take to keep the people focused and on track Clearly things were, was, were not going to be exactly the same as they had been. What were their future prospects as God's people? And as we think of our own return, what are our future prospects? What are we finding in the midst of this, this journey? What concerns we, might we have about what lies ahead? And all I can say, folks, is we walk by faith, not by sight, but we walk at the beckoning of the God who is revealed in these chapters we have looked at today. You want to know what our future prospects are? Ray spoke to it so powerfully a few weeks ago. Go online and listen to his sermon and uh, as he unpacks 
the latter part of Romans 8. But our future prospects are actually quite glorious. In the meantime, as we may still be in a period of groaning, as we groan, the Spirit of God just groans along with us, offering up the prayers that our Father hears and responds to. And at the end of the day, we know that if God is for us, there's nothing in all creation that can successfully be against us or separate us from the love of Christ. So, my challenge to me and to us all is that let's get up and get going. In spite of all the things that we might be concerned about or may not even like, let's just get up and be on the journey and see what God does and in the journey meet Him. Thanks for listening. We invite you to follow Jesus with us and join us on mission with Him. We'd love for you to connect with us through our website, worship at aemc.com, or on Facebook. Just search for Aylmer EMC. 